Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacraments, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I am here as always with Father Stephen Gautier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Uh, Good to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is Director of Formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Father Stephen, last time we talked about the Shepherd of Hermas, um, one of the longest, strangest uh, texts in the uh, Apostolic Fathers era of patristic literature. Um, so we we looked at you know all the basic stuff, the title, the author. Um, we don't know if the main person in the book, Hermas himself, is real or not. Um, it's written you know in the second century. Uh, at the latest, and in Rome. Um, And it's got a really unique blend of themes and structure and a literary style, and its theology uh, is all wacky. Um, So we got to just dive into this a little bit. It's too interesting (laughs) not to do that. So what we're going to do in this episode is I'd love you to tell us the story of these five visions. You know, there's two other sections after that, but we're just not going to have time to go into it. But let's look at the uh, the five visions here um, because they're really interesting uh, and they're really exciting. And um, so let's 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 dive into the first one. So what's go what's what's going on? Where's our hero Hermas at this point? Well, this is the setup. He tells us of his background. I was a slave. I was sold to this woman in Rome. Okay, named Rhoda. And he said, you know, years later, which gives us, you know, he had been freed, years later, her paths cross again. He's back, he's in Rome, and he's paths cross, and he says he loves her like a sister. You know, they have a very healthy, good Christian relationship. But one day, he's passing by, and she's coming out of the Tiber. She'd been bathing, and he helps her out. And mind you, he wasn't lusting after her. He's very clear about this, but the thought passed his mind that, you know, this, he, she's a really good friend. I wish my wife, which we will find out later, was not the most pleasant person in some ways. I wish my wife was such a nice personality and looked as nice. Okay. So, uh, we then, Hermes takes off on a short trip. Okay. He takes a trip away from Rome. And guess what? As he's walking, he falls asleep. You heard me right. He's walking and he falls (laughs) asleep. And actually, it's the Holy Spirit has taken hold of him. And he finds him Uh, and brings him into this plane. And the heavens open. You'll never guess who's up in heaven. Rhoda. Hey, she's up in heaven to complain to God. Okay. She indicates that she said, look, uh, God is dissatisfied with Hermas because he sinned against her. And Hermas said, well, I haven't sinned against you. I've always treated you with respect. She said, but you know, if you were a really righteous man, the very thought of noticing, you know, my beauty and thank you, the very very desire to commit sin, even if you don't follow up on the temptation, shows that there's still something wrong. Oh, no. Wait, so Hermas, he gets me too'd. Uh, yes. Oh dear. <laughs> and she said, you know, that was too much. You know, she doesn't deny that he, you know, but he said, you know, you shouldn't have had that, that the, the fact that you could desire evil, even though you didn't do anything, act upon it anyway. You know, she didn't stare at her or something. That's not right. If you were right with God, you wouldn't be like that. Wow. Okay. Okay. So he said, what you need to do, uh, you know, is you got to pray to God uh, for yourself and for your household. Now, Hermas, we're going to meet people. Hermas meets an old woman in this brilliant garment. She's holding a book. And she sits down in this great white chair, and there are these guys uh, and, you know, sort of attendants. And she asks Hermas, she seems to know who Hermas is. He has never met her, but he, she knows him. 
She says, why are you downcast? You normally have a pretty cheerful guy. Why are you downcast? And Hermas complains he's been me too. He does say, I have been falsely accused. Mm -hmm. And the old woman says, no, you haven't. Rhoda's right. The real, and she said, actually, that's not why you're here. She said, it's true, you could do better. You need to improve. But the real reason you're here, you've been chosen for this vision, is your household has to change. Your household, you're not running your household right. Interesting. So, so she's saying that, yeah, this, okay, you know, you've come to this place because there's kind of a deeper issue going on here that we need to now turn to. Um, right. How you manage your household. How you manage your household. So, I mean, is it fair to say at this point that, okay, so he may not have committed lust, but at this point, is is she talking about, uh, you know, I don't know, covetousness or something like that or ingratitude? No, I think what we're getting at is we need to, he's being chosen by God as a special messenger with a great message to the church at Rome about, you know, answering this problem. And so how do we get that he would be chosen like this? He has to be involved in a need of repentance, but it can't be too serious. Oh, okay. I see. So this is a perfect So we need setup. someone who's sinful enough, yeah, but not so sinful. But we have to, the real sinful people he's being sent for is household. That's why he's, you know, saying, your household, you have some real problems there. Oh, okay. I those kids it. of yours, and your wife could use some help too, but he said, those kids of yours especially are a problem. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's turn to the second vision. So we start... Uh, man, we're, well, Her Hermas is really getting put under the microscope here. So let's let's go into the second vision. Well, in the second vision, what we have is it's a year later. And guess what? The spirit takes him back to the very same place. And he sees the old woman who's walking while she's reading a book. And she's telling that she wants him to explain what that he's, she explains to him that he's, his job is going to, to share the contents of this book with fellow Christians. Hmm. Okay. So he says, well, you know, I don't have a great memory or something. I said, can I make a copy of the book, you know, so I can get it straight? She said, sure, you can make a copy. But he copies it, but he can't figure out what it means. Here's why they explain. This might be hard for our readers to understand uh, who are, didn't live in the ancient world. Manuscripts were very expensive. The stuff you put them on, you know, the papyrus, you know, the vellum and things were very expensive. And so they didn't actually have divisions between words. Hmm. It wasn't easy. You know, we just assume you could see where the words are. It's just a line of letters and you could read them, but it made it much harder to read. And so if you weren't really a good reader, it was very hard. So they just had a series of letters, they tell us, you know, here. And he couldn't, he wasn't a good enough reader to figure out what they meant. You know, where the words, you know, he just couldn't figure out what it meant. So he copies down the book, but he doesn't understand it. So what do you do when you copy down a book to understand? He prays about it. And the meaning of the text is revealed. And it's told that there's real problems with his wife and children. Uh, you know, his children has been scandalous in their behavior and his wife's a gossip. And he's assured, he said, good news, I'm assuring you that there is forgiveness for them if they repent. And for you, that there, there is repentance. I and mean, there's the serious thing, the kids had really had been some business problems, you know, to it sort of crashed his business. So they're saying, no, there is forgiveness for them. There is forgiveness after sin like this. And I want you to bring the message to other people who've already been baptized. You know, it's, but there's forgiveness now. There's a special opening to the whole church. Everybody, if you've had a sin, it can be forgiven, but only once. Okay. Yeah. All right. So there's, yeah, there's a limit to this here. Yeah. Then a young man appears to him in a dream and tells him, you know who this whole woman is? She's actually the church. Hmm. And why is she old, you ask? Because she was actually created before the world. 
okay, uh, you know, she was, you know, the, you know, the, the church has always been there. Everything's been working into this. His, his idea in, in Hermas is very big on the fact of the Old Testament being perfectly is part of the church. The Old Testament church, the New Testament church are one church. Okay. So he okay. says her age shows the fact that she's been around forever. Huh. And huh. Now that we know who she is, you wouldn't guess she reappears. And she takes back the original. And now he understands what it means. He said, look, she says, I want you to make two copies. I want you to make one for Clement, you know, the Bishop of Rome, and one for Gapte. Gapte is just a name. Uh, and the idea there is that's for, you know, she, had the, she was in charge of uh, widows and orphans so that she could share that information with them. Okay. You know, they need to know about this. Okay. And he should take his original copy he made and go to the congregation and formally, in the presence of all the elders, read it out. Okay. So we want to get we want to get the message out there. Good news. You know, you got to repent, but you know, if you repent, your sins can be forgiven. Huh. Interesting. All right. Is this like going on sort of all within the fictional world of the text or, you know, is the idea that the the, the what remained of the text would actually go and be read in the churches? Well, we do have a text that follows. You know, we all these five visions lead up to the fact, hey, this is all being done so you can you can share these these precepts, the yeah. things that are coming up. So a lot of people clearly thought he was being a sort of a Jeremiah and Isaiah thing, saying that he's sharing these visions now uh, as opposed to where we just to read it as sort of a Christian novel. You know, there were some people who took this that he really was um, claiming to be a, a, the real thing, a prophet having these visions. All right. So the third vision um, is the, the old woman still in play? Sure, back. She's back. All right. Okay. She appears in a dream and arranges, hey, meet me in a field. You know, you choose. So they, meet, they have a meeting place. And guess what he sees when he gets there? There's this large, there's like a building site. And they're building this large square tower of shiny square cut stones built on water. Now, that's an odd place to build. Mm. I mean, on the water. It's, it's a vision. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recommend it for the rest of you, but, you know, it's, it's built on water. And, you know, in the book, it always works like this in the vision of Hermas, the, the shepherd of Hermas, is he'll see something. He'll go off and say, I wonder what this means. He'll come back and ask for an explanation. He'll be told, you shouldn't need an explanation. He'll, he'll demand it anyway, and he'll get it. So I'm going to okay. save some of the drama and tell you right on the front end when I explain the visions. Okay. The tower is, is another version of the church. Just as the woman is a vision of the church, the tower is a vision of the church. And the water it's built upon is, you've guessed it, baptism. All right. Yeah. Now let's talk about those layer of stones, okay? Well, the layers of stones is we have, uh, the, there are angels in the building site. And the initial layer of stones are white squared stones that fit perfectly. Those are the apostles, faithful bishops, teachers, and deacons. You know, that's your first, you know, first layer of stones of the foundation, Okay. Then we have, where are the stones coming? They're taking up some stones from below this water. They're coming up, like, quarrying them below the water. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they go directly into the tower. They're just perfect. What's the story with these stones? Those are basically the martyrs, those who have suffered for the name. Not necessarily martyrs, but someone who's you've physically suffered for the name. Okay. There, that's the second thing. Then we have some other stones, which are either newcomers to the faith or faithful themselves. Basically, all the other Christians aren't in the first two categories. Okay. And they hand those to the builders who have to take a look at them before they actually put them in the tower. Okay, you got to take a look at these stones. Now, some of them are rejected. I mean, they say, ah, they're not ready to put in the tower. So they throw them off to the side, but close to the tower so they can get them back again. And the idea is that they need to do penance 
Okay, they're going to have to do some fixing, you know, those stones. They have to do penance, but, uh, okay, and the others are thrown farther away. You know, their other stones are just really tossed far away from the tower. So the ones that are nearby saying, hey, they have to be fixed, but there's still a possibility we can use them. They're still potentially usable. Okay. Because they could do penance. The others, they're thrown far from the tower. So you say, what are the stones that got thrown from the tower? Okay. And we have, we had, uh, you get, no, this is, they really go into these things. Yeah. Some of them were sort of crumbled. And those ones who were not persevering, they weren't showing up at church on Sunday. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe COVID. I don't know. But in any <laughs> event, uh, they had gotten out of the habit of showing up regularly. And so those were the crumbled stones. Some were cracked. And those were the people that, you know, that um, harbored grudges while pretending to be a piece, they harbored grudges. Okay. They, they basically were troublemakers. Okay. Some were defaced, you know, they were just mutilated. And those were some who still kept on in some of their pre-Christian vices. You know, they hadn't really pulled out entirely their vices. And some were white, you know, really nice and white. They look great, but they were round. And you can't put around, what's the problem? You have to fix them, right? You have to cut them a lot. Those are the people who are rich hmm. and who did not want, didn't want to share their wealth. Hmm. You know, until we t deal with that problem of getting rid of that excess wealth and sharing it, we can't really put them in the tower. Okay? Huh. Yeah, okay. Okay, so, so these stones are, um, these stones are people. Uh, they're they're mm -hmm. Christians, right? And yes. I guess it's interesting to hear about, he seems to be really wrestling with, you know, how do, how is it that sinful people continue to be uh, in incorporated into the church and continue to be building up the church but also how are they how is it that their their insufficiency is dealt with and brought back into it um yeah he seems to be casting about for this uh an, an image of the church that is not a pure church but is becoming pure that's right exactly and he's emphasized the fact as long as it's still under construction there's still a chance to get in yeah yeah, yeah, you know, uh, you know, your stone, you still have a chance to get it. But when the construction is finished, it'll be all over. So this is sort of a riff. This seems like a riff on Peter's, you know, living stones. Um, yes, exactly. Here. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so there's so there, there's some more stones here. What other oh, yes. kinds of stones do we got? We have other stones that are thrown far are, are broken and thrown away, meaning they're hopeless. And those are people in this sense, they're hypocrites who never really repented. Do not pass go. I mean, they never should have been there to begin with. They appeared to be stones, but they were just people who had never, ever repented. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Then we had other stones that were thrown away far from the tower, but weren't broken. And then they land in different places, naturally. Okay. So we have uh, some fall on a road, but roll off into hard to reach places. And those who are people who let their doubts get the best of them, and they start seeking alternative paths. Okay. Some fall into the fire where they, the stones, you know, are, are burned, you know, they start getting singed. And those are people who abandon the faith for debauchery mm. with no thought of repentance. You know, they just get overcome by physical, you know, sensu sensuousness. Okay. Yeah. Some, you'll love this, fall close to the water, but don't actually get into it. You'll never guess who these are. These are people who've heard the truth and they want to respond to the gospel. They know it's true, but they just can't make up their mind that they have to leave the world behind them. Mm, mm, mm. So they're really close to the water, but they can't quite get in. Okay. And the woman says all these categories of people could repent, 
but they couldn't become part of the tower itself. They'd be somehow connected with the tower, but they couldn't be part of the, you know, right in the very heart of the tower. But there still could be a place for them. So it's like they can kind of, they can get in on on it, but can't really be load-bearing. Uh, right, that's where they perfectly put, not load-bearing, because they'll be in the tower, but they won't be in the, you know, they're going to be more the other stones in the tower sure sure interesting interesting yeah well i mean on that's a that's actually a pretty cool pretty pretty creative pretty cool way of trying to wrestle with you know what do you do with uh with 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 broken christians with people who sin or right it's clearly not helping it's hurting um, and we talk about degrees of glory you know so yeah it's like this and saying is that you know they'll you'll make it but you uh, don't expect to be a showstone. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. Well, you know, I can begin to see why this would be a pretty, um, a pretty helpful message. You know, for the for the churches at Rome. Oh yeah. Here's here's what it's like. Um, okay, so we've got the stones. Um, wh- what else do we have in this particular vision? Well, I haven't mentioned there were seven lovely maidens. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh Lovely, lovely maidens. And who are they, these seven lovely maidens who are there supporting the tower? And they are, of course, virtues, faith, self-control, simplicity, knowledge, innocence, holiness, and love. So a nice round seven there. Um, yes, there's yeah. seven. Although we'll have, we're going to have, uh, there are a lot of virgins in this book. I mean, we'll have, uh, we'll have 10 in one place, we'll have 12 in another. Uh, so there are different groups of these women. This is very pastoral. And they emphasize they're, they're, they're beautifully, uh, beautiful, dressed beautifully, have their shoulders uncovered. Uh, the, one of their shoulders uncovered, bear, you know, it's uh, very Roman. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So these are, you know, these representations of virtue are, you know, very, very, very put together. Very impressive. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Right. It's something you'd like. Uh-huh. Okay. Then the old woman explains why he said, you know, I bet you don't know. So I've looked different each of the times you see. You see me three times, she said, by now you've, and I've looked different. And here's why. The, I haven't changed. You've changed. As you improve, your vision gets better. She says, initially, why did I appear old and seated in a chair like I had to sit down? And she said, because you had an old spirit when you looked at me. And the old spirit means you don't really have hope for the future. You're full of weak. You're filled with doubts. Mm-hmm. That's like the equation being you act like you act like you're an old person. So she said, that's why. The second appearance already, she said, you're like somebody. She said, I appeared to have a younger with a, a nice, the hair of an old, a younger face, but I still had the body and hair of an old woman, but I had a younger face. And she said that you're like a man here when you first got these messages from me in these earlier visions is you were like a man who suddenly uh, came into an inheritance. Hmm. You know, suddenly you came into inheritance. Okay. The final appearance, she was young and beautiful, but she still has the hair of an old woman. Okay. And that's because you're like someone in affliction, someone who's been sick who gets really good news. Okay. And saying, okay. Okay. So, the, I mean, this is an interesting set of visions and set of uh, concerns he's getting at. I, I get the sense that maybe he it, it could have gotten to the point a, a little bit quicker, <laughs> but we, we've got quite a lot of uh, visions and, and, uh, and, and explain explanations of visions, but, and the yeah. night is young. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're not done yet. Right. So no, 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 no. Um, we have two more visions to go in this first part. The, the fourth vision is, is sort of neat is 20 days after these visions, he's walking along a country road and he's praying for a vision to for, for a vision to strengthen him you know and encourage others dependence and a voice here's a voice say to him reject double-mindedness 
he hears his voice reject double-mindedness. So, of course, we're going to have a vision to explain what this means. Well, yep. <laughs> and this vision, by the way, is emblematic of Christians are going to face a test, persecution. They're going to face this big test, like in the book of Revelation, a big test. So he says, guess what he sees? He sees a vision of a beast. You know, as he looks out on the road, he sees this huge cloud of dust in the distance. And then as the light pierces through this cloud of dust, he sees this enormous beast. He describes it as large as a whale. And he says 100 feet long. I'm making the adjustments for our measures. About 100 feet long. And he says, grasshoppers of fire are springing from its mouth. Okay. Grasshoppers of fire. Sure. Yep. Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay. And its head has, is in the form of four large, uh, of, of a large earthen jar of four different colors. So I don't know what that quite looks like, but the head is like a giant jar and has four colors. Black represents the present world. Red represents, I mean, he, you find this out later. I'm giving you the short version. Sure. He's going to look at this, wonder what it is, beg for information. You, you know, the, the like, drill. No. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. You've got it. Red is that the world has to perish through fire and blood. Gold is that those who flee from the world, it's like gold tested by fire. And white is the world to come where the chosen will dwell. And then he hears the sound of this beast breathing is enough to destroy a city. It's so loud. Mm -hmm. okay okay so it's kind of revelation-ish yeah there. um apocalyptic for sure mm -hmm. uh so but this whole thing is about is about rejecting double-mindedness that's the message here yeah he remembers that he said what's that about and we're gonna find out we're gonna that's gonna be part of the vision he's gonna find out what it means to reject double-mindedness it sort of means doubts when you're you're, you're act, it's like when james says we uh, we pray with you know uh, we you know we have double-minded in our prayer you know we swat on something but we don't completely believe that kind of thing so he keeps walking towards because he remembers this he says i can't stop walking to the beast just because this looks like a thing i'd want to run away from i need to keep up on this path so he walks right to him and guess what happens when he gets to the beast what happens? I, I really could not tell you. You're not trying. But he's stretching out on the ground, and nothing comes out of the beast's mouth until he's passed. So he's like a you know a dog, you know, just lying down there until he if he passes. Okay. Okay. And then of course we get an explanation. What's the explanation? Is uh, you know the we Hermes meets a young uh, woman dressed all in white like a bride. It's the church again. She explains that he's escaped because he put all this trust in God alone. That even though he was afraid, he realized he just, no, I just have to go single-minded means I trust God. I don't have to be brave. God will take care of it. That's what it means by single-mindedness. Okay. I don't have to do this. God does it. This is a good Reformation thought, isn't it? You just keep walking along. She said, you listen to that. Don't be double-minded. If you believe in God, then do it. Act like you do. So he walks right up to it. He said, the Lord sent an angel to close the mouth of the beast. And he said the whole cure, the whole key to all of this, to have the safety in the coming persecution, basically, is to have a pure heart. You know, don't be, you know, trust God. Just walk right into it. And remember, God is able to both, both show mercy, as he showed to you, and to show punishment to those who don't, who are double-minded. He was saved because he walked to the beast. Hmm. Hmm. If he had fled from it, it wouldn't have been the same thing. Okay. And there's a quote. She says, you have had a prefiguration of the upcoming testing. However, if you wish, it will be nothing. So basically, it's up to you. This doesn't have to be anything at all. Trust God and walk right into it. You'll be fine. So people who try to save themselves are going to be in trouble. Interesting. Interesting. So kind of just a kind of quiet trust in God's providence and uh, not not trying to kick at the goads or, 
or or, or be too right. clever get out of this okay yeah but now we need a drum roll for the fifth vision all right here we go and i ask you what did we call the book it's the shepherd of hermas we haven't had any shepherds yet we haven't had any shepherds yeah <laughs> Okay, here comes a man dressed like a shepherd. We uh, find out it's the angel. It's the angel of penance. That's a, that's, a, that's a a spoiler. Okay, but in any event, it's the angel of penance comes dressed like a shepherd comes into Hermes's house, and he says, you know, that he's been sent by the highest angel in heaven, you know, and his job is to stay with Hermes for the rest of his life. Hmm. And he's been sent. He said, no, actually, I'm going to summarize all the lessons you should have learned from these visions in the form of precepts and parables. We're going to find out there are going to be 12 precepts. You know, here are the lessons. And then we're going to have, uh, we're going to have uh, 10 parables that follow. And he's saying, look, I want you to pay close attention to these and write them down. because You need to share them. Okay. And so the balance of the book will be, what are these 12, you know, to summarize these visions, what are the what are the 12 lessons we should learn from this? And then after that, let's have some parables to illustrate those lessons in addition to the visions. And there's some parables that are sort of like visions. <laughs> okay, I see. So then we've got the, the other two, you know, the precepts and parables part of the book. So that's that, it. That's so his whole job is to get to this point of saying, okay, you're going to have this big message to bring to people. Here's the essence of the message. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The essence of the message is going to be these precepts these rules of life of how you live a good Christian life and these parables. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, end of the day, this is a lot of, lot of vision time here. We've, we've, this is kind of a, the, the, the long form uncut director's cut of, <laughs> of, of, of visions here. Um, so it's, so it's the, the visions of, you know, there's the woman and she's giving you the, the the vision and he's saying what does it mean so you should already know um but i'm gonna tell you anyway and um it's each each of them has to do with would it be fair to say that e each of these things reading between the lines have something to do with um kind of a a pressing tension or yearning that's at the heart of the church at this time um in the second century and, and trying to bring some 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 resolution uh, of tension here. Well, we see some of the things. Well, we'll see when we, in the precepts, for example, you'll see what some of the key issues are. He's saying, "Here's the lesson for you, folks. These are a common. This is a common problem. People who have this problem need to need to clean up. Yeah. You know, there's what we need to do. We need to clean this problem. This is a problem. Okay. okay. Some are obvious. Some are less obvious. And the importance he attracts attaches to some of these things. For example, he's going to play put a huge amount of emphasis on evil talk in the sense of, you know, criticism, um, gossip, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know, dissension is a really serious thing. Yeah. 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 Well, great. Um, thanks father, Stephen. Any, anything you would leave us with, with, uh, the shepherd of Hermas. Uh, Noah's saying it's, it truly is unique and it's a good read. I mean, it's, uh, it's a page turner. Uh, so I think our, our readers would, uh, would enjoy it. And again, some of the things that he offers us here are, 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 are beautiful things. Great. Well, thanks so much, Father Stephen, and thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back again next week for more on liturgy, sacraments, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.